Hi everyone, I'm Lucas Mack and welcome to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. Today, I speak to Brian Gates. He's a leadership coach, a, an executive business coach, and an incredible leader, really. And he and I get into some great conversations about spirituality, about leadership, accountability, responsibility, and I know you're going to enjoy today's episode. Brian, thank you for joining the Golden Rule Revolution. How are you today? I am excellent today, Lucas. How are you? I'm doing great, brother. So you and I connected through an incredible mutual friend, someone that uh, is near and dear to, I would say, both of our hearts, right? And when we connected on the phone and talked, I'm like, this guy, he gets it. He gets what, it, what it's about. And you come from the business world and you've done well in the business world, but you've also dabbled now into the transformational world and the emotional intelligence space. So tell me, how did you get down the path that you are right now? Yeah, yeah, good question. And first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I'm oh, my pleasure, brother. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see you. Um, so yeah, I've, it's been an awesome journey. I, I, like, as you mentioned, I started out in the business world. I was in, commercial, in the commercial real estate investment and development world for about 15, almost 15 years. And always a student of leadership, student of business, always been a student, right? Always learning podcasts, TED Talks, the books, you know, all the things. And um, I would say that, you know, really the pivotal point for me was um, – after achieving, after really seeing that I was on the path to, towards accomplishing what I really set out to accomplish, which is what I thought I wanted, mm. which was, you know, raising up and becoming a business leader, a leader in the commercial real estate development world. And, you know, I really saw a path to becoming CEO of the company I was with. And at the time I was married, I owned a home in San Diego you know, a beautiful place with a yard, with a dog, you know, everything was going seemingly perfect. And I looked around and said, you know what, I am not, what's going on? I'm not happy. Mm. You know, and everything that I thought I wanted, I was on the path, either had or I was on the path to, to having. And there's just this sadness and this uh, emptiness inside of me. And mm. so I started digging into that and I started working with an executive coach, which really helped me out. Her name's Amy Albright. She's amazing. Um, that was the first coach, really, that I had ever worked with. Never had met with a counselor or psychiatrist or anything like that before. So, and I was ready, right? Mm -hmm. um, I had gone through some, you know, it was getting pretty dark for me. I started drinking a lot to try, you know, all the different things to kind of numb it out. Yeah. And yeah. I said, you know what? That's enough. You know, I want to dig into this and understand who I am. And I started strip away, stripping away the layers. And realizing that, oh, wow, I was doing a lot of these things just to kind of prove that I was enough mm. inside of me, you know, and um, if I wasn't achieving or working really hard, anytime I wasn't doing that and it was quiet space, I felt kind of this anxiousness inside me of I wasn't enough. Um, so. where, where did, how did that tie into your growing up years and, and how, where did that stem from if you weren't? doing something where you're not experiencing love like you wanted or where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I think, um, I mean, I, I don't think I know that, you know, growing up the messages that I heard around me were, um, only the messages of how I could be doing something better. 
mm-hmm. um, how I wasn't, which, which I interpreted as I wasn't doing something good enough. Right. So I had a lot of coaching from parents, most, you know, parents from everybody. And I think what I chose to hear as a kid was all the things that I wasn't doing good enough versus all the accolades that I got. I didn't hear those things. Mm. So the stories that I created was, you know, oh, I'm not good enough. No matter what I do, no matter how hard I work, I, I can always, I should be working harder. I should have done that even better. Right. 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 So that's what I heard. So yeah, so that carried through, mm. through into my adult years and that's, it, it, and it served me really well, right? Like I, you know, I worked my butt off. I achieved a lot. I did really well in my career. I really started to make a reputation for myself in the industry you know, all those things just to realize eventually that I was never going to feel like I was enough Hmm. through achievements and through just the doings and the accolades that come along with that. Right. It was was something deeper than that. And like you just said, I mean, it it stems back from childhood and I wasn't aware of that until, until that point. I, um, lead these men's retreats. And one of the things that the men's retreats we talk about is identifying when you first put your mask on, going back to that place, the most painful moment, and when you first put that mask on. And then I talk about all the success we've gotten is actually from our mask. People love our mask. We benefit from our mask. And yet that benefit that we get from the mask is empty because like you said, you can exhaust it. You can go to the furthest end of what that mask will take us to. And it still leaves our true self unsatiated, unsatisfied, unloved, unknown, un, you know, all these, there's a massive void between what the world gives affirmation to when we present that facade versus our real self of like, I just want to experience unconditional love. I want to be held because someone wants to hold me, not because I, you know, have done anything. Absolutely. Is that, is that similar to how you experienced, like you were very successful, but that was all that achieving mask. Exactly right. Exactly. Right. So any, it was looking for, um, my feeling my own worth through the eyes of other people, hmm. right? Needing affirmation from others, needing others to tell me that I'm good enough to maybe feel good enough for a split second. Um, but it really, what it really came down to was internally, I just was telling myself I wasn't enough, mm. right? And I'm not good enough. I could have done that better, you know, all the different negative. I, and that's what really I opened my eyes to after starting to work with that coach because she really helped me become aware in my life, conscious in my life for the first time to actually pay attention to these thoughts that I have on a day-to-day basis. And I was blown away. I was like, Wow. I am so hard on myself. Mm. Wow. You know, it, it was just, it blew me away once I started to pay attention to these things that I was telling myself. Wow. And yeah, so that was, I mean, that from that point, there was no going back, right? Mm. I just, cool. it was really hard and scary and painful, but I, at the same time, I knew something about me knew that this is the, I need to go on this path and this journey. I don't want the last next 15 years to be a blur like the last 15 years were because Mm. I couldn't tell you much of what happened, you know, in those previous years or even days, right? I was just so just hard charging, getting things done, always analyzing in my head, you know, between at the time I was going from meeting to meeting to meeting and in between meetings, I would be thinking about what do I need to do from the last meeting? Okay. What do I need to accomplish in this next meeting? And I never took a break just to, 
sit mm. and be quiet for a minute. I thought that in order to be my best, I had to work really hard. And that's, that was the pivotal moment for me. And, I'm, and that's been, I mean, that's a really hard thing to do, right? So this, this moment of realizing I don't have to do anything mm. and I'm enough. Yes, yes. And I don't have to do anything to prepare for this meeting because I have everything that I need to be in that meeting. In fact, if I just work on being present and grounded before the meeting and throughout the meeting, I'm, I'm way more effective. Hmm. I know what questions to ask people. I, I can see and I can read them more effectively and understand where they are so that I can more effectively communicate you know, to them what, you know, what needs to be done or to answer their questions or to draw out their expertise into the, into the conversation. Hmm. And that was, that was huge for me to, to realize that in order to go faster, I needed to slow down. <laughs> wow. That's powerful. What, so, so you come to this place where you finally start to wake up, but you're married, you, you have this career, you've, you've well established your name and presence. So what, what happened after that, that transitionary period to get you to where you are today? Yeah. So, yeah. So right from there, probably the first thing that unfortunately um, I noticed was that I had been married for nine years and our relationship had ended a, a while ago, you know, actually probably at least a couple of years prior. Um, and there was no real connection there, which was tough. So from there we went into marriage counseling. We tried to repair that. And unfortunately, it was pretty far gone. So we, you know, we split ways. Um, we were really good friends all the way through, and you know that's kind of how how it went. Um, so, and then after that, um, then looking at my career and stripping away. Okay, if I am not my t my title in the company I was with, mm. who the heck am I? Right. Yeah. So yeah. An awesome, an awesome exploration there, which was really freaking uncomfortable. So. It took me, um, you know, I, from that point, I think it was about two years that I remained at that company and kind of went on that exploration of, okay, I know something else is next. What, let's figure out what that is. And uh, started to get into yoga, meditation for the first time back right, right then. And it was, it was great and difficult. And, you know, that was probably the hardest year and the best, you know, the best year up until that point of my life. Mm. And um, yeah, and then I started to realize that what I've always loved was business strategy and developing people. Mm. You know, I, I really loved connecting with people, asking questions, um, bringing the best out of my team, you know, growing them. That helped me grow in the, in the, in my roles, in my roles. Cause I always develop my team to learn how to do what they do well and to take on everything that I did. Right. Like learn, teach them how to do my job so that I can continue to advance. Right. It's kind of like, you know, that was a result of that. Um, so yeah, I realized that I wanted to go out eventually and do my own thing and work with multiple businesses and help them get clear. Um, I realized because I, all our clients were small and medium sized businesses that a lot of people are so busy in their business that they don't spend the time to work on their business, have a plan, you know, be intentional with what they're doing, not just in their business, but in their life. Mm. And, you know, noticing that a lot of the business owners had the, their businesses running their life and they were a slave to their own business that they created right. and uh, wanted right. to help them to get out of that cycle. What it seems systemic, especially in the business community where every we talked, you and I, when we first talked, like I ran a business, I started it 
and worked so hard I collapsed and went to the hospital and ambulance like just and finally hit that that we you know it was like getting to a million dollars of revenue was like a we that was my sole goal it was like nothing else matters hit that million dollar mark statistics say the companies that you know hit a million blah 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 are less likely to fail and all these and I remember hitting that million dollar mark I had more employees I had more responsibility and I didn't take more income home. And I realized this is empty. Like this really does not matter if it was one or five or 10. I realized I am not happy. I am unsatisfied. Like something, you know, it, it revealed the emptiness inside me. So I really resonate with your story. And then from your experience working with all these business leaders, is it systemic somewhere in the business community, probably in humanity at large, but the business community, a lot of leaders are trying to prove their worth through these lofty goals. And do you, do you find that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And it goes back to what we said, where there's, there's a big element of it that that is healthy that can help us achieve. Um, but we, yeah, everybody has, this internal dialogue, these stories they've created, these insecurities that they're trying to overcome, people pleasing, you know, whatever it might be. Mm. The need to feel safe, the need to, need to feel worthy, the need to feel enough. Um, everybody has, you know, their own story. And um, yeah, many, if not most, I mean, if not all, right, humans are somehow driven by this, right? Unless you've done a lot of work in your life to get through it and continue to do a lot of work. And even then, it still shows up in your life, yeah, right? Still a journey, yeah. Yeah, but but yeah. So um, so yeah. And to finish that story of today, so I went from that, and now I lead uh, peer advisory groups. I have a group that's groups for CEOs, groups for executives, and I do some coaching and I lead workshops to help companies with getting more intentional and live their purpose and all that. And through that, absolutely. So I've done you know the similar exercises. It sounds like that you have in your men's groups with my executive groups. And yes, everyone. It comes down to a certain story. Yeah. Of, wow. And it's not just you know business success, but even just in the relationships. Um, a lot, if not most, of what we do can be driven by these stories that we. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Now that you're working with, with leaders in, in the business world, is how do you help them see that the, who they be is constant, whether they're in business, whether they're at home, whether they're with friends? Like, How do you break down those silos so things don't become compartmentalized? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And um, it's, it starts with the acknowledgement. It's, it's actually, I mean, for many of them in the group, it's the first time that they've even realized that, oh, wow, I've been driven by this need to be the best in my life, right? Because mm. I need to be the best in order to be worthy of love or acceptance, you know, or to be safe, whatever it is. That's, the, that's step one, is having that realization. And then, you know, from there, it's noticing it as it continues to come up in your life. Right. So you notice it and it comes up and then you need to really anchor into what is the truth. Right. And that can be hard for some people because, you know, some people 
some people usually say, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I, I am enough. I get that that's the truth. And I get that when it comes in that shows, you know, that, that I tell myself I'm not enough or whatever, you know, someone says something and I, I hear that as a message. I mm. know that that's not the truth. The truth is I am enough. I mm. get that. So once they notice it, they can quickly switch that limiting belief to that empowering belief and that truth of I am enough. That's great. Others, it's harder, right? They say, yeah, I'm, an, I'm enough, I, I think, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. so, but I, I, but I think I need to get to a million dollars in revenue. I think I need to get to a hundred million dollars in revenue. Right. Then I'll be enough. I still, I still, I really need to just make sure I do that because I've been falling short. So then I'll be enough and you need to get out of that cycle. Right? Mm. So it, to get to that point, that, um, you know, certainly things like meditation, going out, and I love, you know, solo road trips. That's my thing mm. to get away and really explore myself. Um, what are, whatever that is for them, to go out and really feel into who they are, stripped away of, you know, titles, achievements, relationships, all the things, and see what's left, right? Mm. And anchoring into, okay, what's left is, you know what? I am pretty awesome. For yeah. who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I am safe. I am worthy. That yeah, the safe thing, that's that's important for a lot. I know for I have um a five I am statement that I created for myself that addresses the five greatest fears in my life. And it's I am safe, I am loved, I am free, I am abundant, I am powerful. I'm safe, I'm loved, I'm free, I'm abundant, I'm powerful. And I say it every morning before we go to bed. And um and it's interesting, um, Rock Thomas, who I've had on this podcast, and he's uh, a really cool business coach and leader. He says, what follows I am follows you. And when I first heard that, I was like, dude, that is so profound. Most people are saying I'm stupid or I'm dumb or I'm, I'm weak or I'm fat or I'm whatever. Right. And it follows. But if we start saying I am, I'm enough, I am loved, I am, I am light, I am good. I am truth. I am, you know, whatever these statements are that can combat those negative narratives that have come into our life, not from ourselves. It's no baby comes into the world and says, I am pathetic. I am bad. I am, you know, the babies come in the world like loving and emitting love and speaking up, but then narrative or people or, or pain comes in and just in a sick way assassinates our self worth and our sense of self value. And so getting back to that place where we simply just can be and receive love and give love and not have to worry about what we achieve for our own value. It's a journey for a lot of people. But when we get there, and I'll say when we get there, I feel like you're there. I feel like I'm there. And a lot of people listening to this podcast are here. This is the place where number one, we feel compassion. Because if we're always striving then we we immediately pit ourselves against where I am, where I'm not. And then we can look and say where others are and where they are not. And it creates a sense of judgment. It, it's in, it's, you cannot separate judgment of others with striving for something. Because hmm. you admit, you, by default, you are at a certain level that you are not wanting to be at. Right. And you can look at someone else's at a different level. So it immediately calibrates. But when we know that we're just, we are loved because of who we are, the soul and our, our body, the breath in our lungs, then it creates, so I think, so much compassion 
for the homeless, for the wealthy, for mm-hmm. everyone in between. It's like, man, they are just as valued. They are just, and so we can, I think, transition from uh, focus on self to acknowledging self, loving self, so we can help others focus on their self and love themselves. I love, I love that, and and what you said in there is, and what I heard is, you know, compassion and judgment, and and it's really, and it's and comparison is in there. Comparison, right? yes. So, oh, comparison. And then compassion, right? We're either comparing ourselves to someone, whether it's someone who's better than us in something, so we're judging them and we might even have resentment towards them. Yep, yep. Or it's someone who's, who, who we say, you know, what they're below us, you know, whether it's someone who's on the street or whoever it is in your day to day. Right. And that is, can be, it very much gets in the way, if, it, if not the opposite of compassion, hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah. compassion. I love that. I love that you brought compassion up because that is such a powerful thing. Yeah. And actually I just received a, I just ordered a textbook, um, the Oxford handbook to compassion sciences. Oh, wow. Uh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cause I'm going to start, I, I'm just, I'm like, I like to geek out on stuff like that. And it's like, that is beautiful. Thing. Cause I, I truly feel like, feel that, uh, compassion is, by increasing the amount of compassion in the world, that is going to solve so many things. Right? Mm. My, so my, my purpose is, is shifting the energy of the world towards love and compassion. Mm. Beautiful. And Beautiful. I know that to my core. That's why I'm here. And it's going to look like a lot of different things as I go. But that's my core, right? And the compassion is the big one in my mind as far as the outward-facing piece of compassion. And, uh, it, yeah, if you look at everything and everyone with compassion, like you said, judgment goes away, uh, competition goes away. We all get to just work together in harmony and love each other. That's true. A hundred percent. I was, um, I was talking to some friends yesterday. So I grew up, um, in the Christian church. I, um, have preached. I have, I've been on staff at Young Life. I've led my own ministry. I've, I mean, I went hard down the Christian world and the Bible and that narrative. And one thing that never, never aligned with me was telling someone what they are to, that they should be. Meaning like it would say in Galatians, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, temperance, meekness. Against such, there is no law. It says that which is beautiful. Who doesn't want to be around someone's loving, joyful, peaceful, long-suffering, giving, peace. I mean, all these things are beautiful. And yet, it was this narrative of you must be these things and stri- it's another form of striving. And if you're not. And if you're not, then you are wrong. You are bad. There is something innate inside of you that is evil. And right. I was talking to some friends yesterday that I've completely shifted 100% and that we cannot tell someone to be anything other than what they are and what they are follow they are going to produce fruit. Mm-hmm. So if you're not compat if you know being in the place of love of self and and knowing your self-worth then you're going to be in a place of striving and masking and ego and all things that come from that are going to be lying to see you know pain judgment rejection resent all these negative things but if we come from a place of like truly 
knowing the value of ourselves and loving ourselves, then what naturally emits from that is love, joy, peace. So you don't tell someone, you got to be loving, you got to be compassionate. It's like, no, know yourself, love yourself, you're enough. And when we don't strive, I really believe what naturally emanates from us are those good things that we all want to see in this world. Absolutely. It is yeah. And it's a different way of, it's, it's empowering people versus indicting people. In this world, whether it's a form of religious indictment or political indictment or social indictment or monetarily indictment, we, we want this, this narrative of indicting others and like, I gotcha and like, there you are. And you know, it's, it's really, it's terrible. I don't wanna see this world continue down this path. I wanna see a world like what you're saying of love and compassion. And it's, it's possible, it's possible. Yeah. Absolutely. And yes, absolutely. And it's really the difference between being and doing, right? We're telling people that they need to be a certain way, which means that we are really telling them you need to do certain things to show me that you are a certain way. Yes, that's right. That's right. And versus, yeah, just the the being behind that. And I mean, that's, that's the beauty and that's the power because that's what's so prevalent right now in our, in our world is, whether it's, you know, on the positive or the negative, it's more about what you're doing, right? It's, you know, with having to post and show everybody what you're doing, doing, right. doing, right. to, you know, that's who you are. It's what you do. Are you doing positive things? I'm doing positive things, so I must be a good person. Right. You know, I'm doing crazy things that are, you know, jumping off cliffs, so I'm, you know, this adrenaline junkie, that's great. Mm. But, you know, what really matters is who we are through the way of being in all mm. That's right? so good. That's so good. I, um, I'm reading the book Untethered Soul right now, and it's been a beautiful framework for explaining the conscious knowing of self versus he's, they, Michael Singer says, it's like those that don't wake up to their natural senses are like those of us who have been in a movie theater and we're so in the movie, like, man, this is amazing. You forget you're in the movie or a movie theater until someone sneezes or coughs next to you and you wake up, you're like, oh, geez, yeah, I'm in a movie theater surrounded by strangers in a filthy place watching this movie. And, you know, he's kind of joking around in the analogy, but it's really true. Most of us never, a lot of people, I was one of them, was just living in my senses. It was so sensory living, how I felt about something it would take me, I felt completely held to like do things even though somewhere I knew I don't want to do this I was just compelled like compulsions to do and it wasn't until I like woke up like you're saying like you're aware of the thoughts like oh I am aware of my thoughts well if I'm aware of my thoughts I am not my thoughts if I'm aware of my feeling then I am not my feeling if I'm aware of my so the more awareness and then it's like well that which is aware isn't subject to that which it's aware of. I, I mean, I am subject or I am in authority to those feelings versus if I'm in those feelings, I can't do anything to separate from them. Right. And when you strip it all away. So yesterday, my girlfriend, Carrie, uh, yeah. and I went to- we Hello, went Carrie. And- <laughs> Shout yeah, out to Carrie. <laughs> she's amazing. Um, yeah. She says, I uh, say hi back too. <laughs> okay. um, so we went to this- um, 
the center yesterday and I, I did the float tank. So talking oh, yeah. about the sensory world, right? So yes. sensory deprivation, all five sensories shut off and floating there and people don't know. I'm sure, you know, everybody knows about those things now, but you're just sitting there and you can't tell where your body stops and the water starts and the air, you know, you're just one and everything is shut off. So talking about, you know, how to help people get there to understand who they truly are, strip away your senses, mm. do that and see what's left. Right. And that's, that's a really so good, good meditation. Yes. You, know, and it, you can strip away all of that and just be right. And just connect and quiet all those senses and what's left. I mean, all right, do that and tell me then how you feel. Hmm. And you come out of there feeling joy, bliss, grace, just pure yes. love. Yes. And which just brings happiness, right? And that's proof. If that's not proof, I don't know what is of it's not what we do that defines us, but it's who we be that truly defines who we are and who we all are at our core is just pure love. That's good. That's so, it, it is, it is pure love. And I have two coaches. So it's interesting. You got a coach and it helped you. And I have two coaches um, that have, I would say radically helped frame up my healing and, and path and it's been beautiful. Um, and having coaches and talking about like just being that, that sense of love, how do you see, or here's the question really is, do you see this really getting into the business world? Cause I know through Vistage and, and what you do, that narrative is really powerful. Like helping leaders know you're enough. All right, let's have your goals, but those are just outside of your own intrinsic value. Do you see it shifting in the business community where people are starting to accept this narrative more and have coaches? And I do, I do see it shifting. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm excited about that. Right. And it's, um, so there are more and more organizations that are realizing that this is incredibly powerful for a lot of reasons, for, um, for culture, for employee attraction, retention, for team building, for relationship building. And ultimately, the ones that really get it, it's results, right? Mm -hmm. It's business results that are improved by providing these types of re resources, um, bringing on executive coaches for their, for their teams, and, and encouraging them to go through different types of personal development workshops, emotional intelligence training, yes. there's mindfulness leadership trainings that are out yes. there now, you know, and the organizations that really get this are really thriving. So it's going to be a, really a, a factor of the markets that are going to continue, I think, to do, continue to do, drive this type of culture and mindset within business. Beautiful. Man, that's yeah. exciting. That's exciting. Um, getting back to real quick, I have a, a float tank story of my own. So I, uh, this past year, um, was hired to MC and speak. Um, so I was hired to MC and, um, and be this speaker on a, this cruise with all these people and big name people. And, and so in preparing, I was, it was in a float tank. And I'm a big guy, so 
Um, I got the big, the big giant one. There, there are smaller ones that I, sometimes I'm touching like the sides. I like get out of the experience, <laughs> but I got the big one and I'm in the big one. And I literally like flew straight like feet first and landed in the auditorium of this place. And the auditorium was packed with guests that I didn't know who the guests were, but I just envisioned like everyone's in there. And I kept hearing this over and over again. I am in my body, but my body is not me. Uh, I am in my body, but my body is not me. Look at my eyes. Listen to what I'm saying. I am in my body and my body is not me. Wow. It was so intense. And I felt like I was in that place. And I had never heard that narrative before in my life. I'm like, I am in my body, but my body is not me. And it was such a key to unlock because I have been struggling with body image issues my whole life and not living up to this standard and expectation. And I was so harsh on myself. But when I realized I am in my body, but my body is not me, I felt like this is incredible freedom. Like, oh my goodness. And so I am a huge believer of float tanks and having that space of it, it's interesting. You said oneness and, and, and you're connected to love. It's also, I really have become a fan of the void as well. And like dark, like going into the depths of darkness, like I grew up in an incredibly terrifying home. I was always scared, scared that I was going to be killed, scared that I was going to be hurt to death, scared that literally like, oh, I, they're going to kill me was like not a metaphor, an analogy. It was like a literal belief that I had. And once I have grown into this place and, and I don't mean to sure take all the time, but once I got this place, like you can't, you can do something to my body, but you can't get me Yes, I'm in my body. Yes. My body is not me. It has liberated everything in my perspective, my journey, my even sharing this with you right now. Like, thanks. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. That is the truth. So a lot of, for a lot of people, it's really hard to truly believe that they're safe, right? Mm, yes. That's why, if, if that's why it's my first word. You. I am safe. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. If you are your, you are in your body, but your body is not you, no one can hurt you. Right. Yes. They can maybe hurt your physical body in the sense, but yes. that's not who we are. Right. We are much bigger, much deeper, much more expansive than that, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, the, you know the talking about the void and all that, that's, yeah, when you strip away all of your senses and this sensory world and our identity attached to, you know, this body that we're in, yeah, your you're, you know, physical image of ourself, um, things that we've done in the past, you know, what certain people might think of us or we think they think of us, that kind of thing. You strip that away and just say, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. Right. When you get into a place of the void and you feel the vast energy and the realization of, wow, how minute this life in this body is in this world, you know, yes. or this, that I say it so often to myself when I, when I get anxious or worried about something and, you know, thinking about how big the universe is the mm. galaxy is and then how big the earth is and then how minuscule we are like yes. how why do i think this thing is such a big deal it's just mm. laughable right you know why, right. why would that concern me you know right. and yeah the uh 
getting into the void. So I went to one of jo Dr. Joe Dispenza's week-long events, his awesome. Fantasy oh, week-long awesome. in February. And he talks a lot about the void and getting, you know, through meditation, getting into the space of the void. He said, he's, mm. yeah, void is, I have that in my head because he says it over and over doing guided <laughs> meditations. But it's, I mean, it's so good, right? Because you just get out of your body. Mm. and you're able to, to just kind of experience on such a bigger level and then look down and kind of see your body and just helps you re reset to that perspective, right? Which mm -hmm. really helps us in life and get out of our stories and get out of our worries and get out of our head. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's it's so good. So the, um, I just wanted to, um, wanted to say one thing about the void where in Genesis uh, in the Bible, which I now read in such a, I, I just think there's, it's a beautiful framework as code to existence. And so anyway, I'll, I'll just share in the beginning, God created the heaven, and the earth. That's Genesis one, one Genesis one, two says, and the earth was without form and void. And I always think, man, earth was without form and void. Like what is that without form and void? And it says in darkness was upon the face of the earth and the spirit of God moved upon the face of waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. But this whole narrative of the earth was without form and void. Like what? That doesn't seem scary. There's no fear in that. There's no attachment of identity in that. There's just simply the opportunity in that space to receive. Hmm. Like, and I, so the word void, I think all the time of, and the earth was without form and void. Like I want, what am I without form and void? Like what, how am I connected to the greater I am without form and void, right? Like in that, right. that space. And it's such a, I don't know if it's beauty, if it's safety, it's joy, if it's wonder, if it's something that they're so there's the expansiveness in that void. There's no limit to void. There's no, Thank you. there's no, oh, this is all you can be in void. There is just how much void do you want to experience? You know, you yes. can go and, and like I have the chills right now just talking about it. And this, this is why it's so cool. What you're doing, Brian is going in and taking this perspective to business leaders who may have never even listen to Joe who never listened to Joe Spencer like wait what and then you can bring this as an entree in a safe space so it's beautiful what you're doing brother it's it's limitless possibility yes it truly is limitless possibility we have we have a ten, we tend to have this mindset of this limiting view on everything that there's mm -hmm. everything's a trade-off right yeah there's, there's, there's a scarcity of time there's a scarcity of money uh, there's a scarcity of these um, of, of the abilities that I have within myself. You know, mm. these stories that we tell ourselves that are just not true. Right, 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 right. And to understand that when you're leading, when you're designing your career, designing your business, designing your life, right? Design your life first. How do you want to experience that life? What is the ideal life that you mm. want to be living? So and good. lean into that, feel into that. And then just look at your everything else as, okay, well, how can I use these as tools to help me live that life? Beautiful. You know, how, if I want to start a business, if I, even if you have a business today, where do I want to take this business hmm. to where it's going to really leverage, 
you know, my ability to live this life. Mm. And for a lot of people, because um, I work with a lot of medium-sized business owners, they're kind of yeah. out of that startup phase, just getting into maturity and really wanting to, now they have, oh, they've proven the concept, it's successful, they've gotten yeah. to the million dollars in revenue, now what, right? Yeah, right, right. And, okay, well, what, now what? What do you want to do? Do you want to continue to cash flow this thing and only work on the visionary aspects and then hire a COO to do the day-to-day -day so you can have freedom to do other things? Do you want to sell it and do it all over again because you love that startup process? Mm. Do, you, do you want to be, is, you know, is that really something you enjoy doing and you're just going to design it and build a team around you so that you can do that and also spend time with your family and you right. Know, right. do all the activities you want to do, whatever that is. But there is endless possibilities of what you can do. And once you realize and you get out of those stories of, well, I can't do that and do this. I can't have a business and be a big part of my kids' lives. Mm. Yeah, I, my wife gets it. She knows that I need to spend 60 plus hours on my business because that's the lifestyle we want to provide. And you know, that's, the top, that's how it's going to be. You know, if that's your choice and that's your decision, okay, that's, that's fine. Yeah. But do it because it's truly what you want. If it's truly what you want, awesome. Mm. And that's what allows you to, you know, that's, it's going to give you energy as you go, right? If that's right. truly what you decide and what you want, you're going to come home at the end of the day energized. Hmm. It's a good, great indicator. If you're coming home at the end of the day and you're exhausted, red flag, something's going on. Hmm. There's resistance in there. You know, you're, something's coming up for you. You're doing, you might not be doing these things for the right reasons. And maybe you need to make some shifts and adjustments in your life because everything you should be doing in your life should be giving you energy. Hmm. Good. Brother, thank you so much for joining. How can people connect with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, so True Leader Shift is my company and it's just show. So it's T-R-U Leader Shift. And that's, uh, yeah, dot com is my website. Um, I have a show. I started a web show a few months back. I think awesome. I just lost, launched episode four and that's also called True Leader Shift. With Brian Gates, I've had a lot of really, really amazing guests on there. I look forward to having you on there. Oh, thanks, brother. Thanks. That'll be great. So that's on YouTube. Uh, YouTube. And then, uh, yeah, then you can find me as well on social media channels. So. Well, I'll put all those links uh, in the show notes. And it's been an honor having you on, brother. Thank you. This has been so much fun. The time flew by. That's for it sure. Did. It did. <laughs> did. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Lucas Mack. As always, Thank you. Thank you for joining the journey of the golden rule revolution. Next week, I have Randy Spelling from the 90210 cast, the son of Aaron Spelling on the show. Make sure you tune in for that. It's going to be great. And as always, continue to stand in power and in love and be the brightest light in someone's day and treat people like people and nothing less. I'm Lucas Mack, and I'll talk to you on the next episode.